Welcome to the In the Oil Patch radio show, broadcasting from the SR Trident studio. SR Trident, where safety is a culture, not just a word. In the Oil Patch radio show with Kimball Auto is where you will hear the latest in the oil, gas, and energy industry from a wide variety of industry experts, elected officials, and more, right here on In the Oil Patch radio show. And welcome to In the Oil Patch Radio Show. I'm your host, Kim Bellato, and today we have a great show lined up for you. I'd like to tell you about the latest issue of Shell Magazine. Our cover features Brian Freed, who is the CEO of Epic Midstream, a great company, fabulous CEO, as well as a $5 billion company. It's a story that you don't want to miss. For your free digital issue, be sure to visit shalemag.com. That's S-H-A-L-E-M-A-G.com. Uh, to get your free digital issue of the latest issue of Shell Magazine. And if, by chance, you happen to be in the Midland, Odessa area on October 28th, feel free to join us at our all-stream mixer. It'll be located in the Doubletree Houston Sky Bar. It's a mixer you do not want to miss because it's all streams. We will have wonderful door prizes as well as a great discussion from our speaker. For information and tickets, please be sure to visit shellmag.com and click on the ticket link banner at the top. We also have an upcoming mixer scheduled for November 17th in Houston, Texas. It is at the beautiful Fogo de Chao in the Woodlands area. Our speakers will consist of the Vice President of Halliburton, Paul Shepard, along with the Honorable Jason Isaac from the Texas Public Policy Foundation Life Powered Unit. So, be sure to go to shellmag.com and get your tickets because both of these events will be a sold out event. And lastly, let me tell you about our upcoming annual State of Energy luncheon in beautiful Houston, Texas at the Houston Club. It's scheduled for December 2nd. This will be a sold out event as it is every year. Get your tickets now and for sponsorship, you're welcome to go to shellmag.com. These, some of the speakers that will be Visiting the luncheon is Chairman Wayne Christian of the Texas Railroad Commission, along with Sean Strawbridge, CEO of the Port of Corpus Christi, just to name a few. Once again, to get more information on the State of Energy luncheon happening December the 2nd at the beautiful Houston Club, please be sure to visit shellmag.com, purchase your tickets for our mixer, sponsor the event for the luncheon, and read all about the latest and free digital issue at shellmag.com. And now it's time to welcome on my co-host and editor of Shell Magazine, David Blackman. David, welcome to this week's show. Hey, it's another beautiful day in the oil patch, isn't it? It is. And I wanted to start off by understanding you just got back from a cruise. How was <laughs> your cruise and where did you go? It was awesome. We, we went to uh, did a Caribbean cruise uh, out of Fort Lauderdale, visited five islands and uh, had a half full ship with all sorts of COVID protocols and it was very uh very enjoyable it's nice to get away for the first time in a long while yeah the post the new post-covid world here we go yeah um, well let's talk about some stuff that's been happening um of course the white house has been in the news as of lately a lot of things going on um and i think maybe uh the public is is kind of understanding what uh, these energy policies that this administration is pushing out, the impact finally it's starting to have on them. So the White House press secretary told reporters this week that gasoline prices are only rising in certain areas, maybe isolated parts of the country. Uh, my social media says something completely different. 
it's, it's everywhere. So yeah. why did she say that? Is that true? And where, where are <laughs> hidden areas? Is no, Texas it's, it's, one of the hidden areas? It's a it's a it's complete and utter nonsense. I mean, it's just it's ridiculous. Okay, there's not a gas station in the United States of America in any town or city or village or crossroads uh, whose gas price hasn't gone up this year. I mean, it's just nonsense. We're up a dollar sixteen a gallon. We're up from two dollars and eleven cents a gallon on Election Day, 2020. The $3.27 a gallon for, for a gallon of regular gasoline, that's the nationwide average, a $1.16 increase, that's a hidden tax on every consumer in the United States. And it's happening everywhere. There's no place that's been spared. And Texas certainly has. And although we, we still in Texas have, you know, lower average uh, price per gallon than all but two other states, Louisiana and North Dakota have lower prices. But it's still gone way up and, and it's just nonsense. I, I wish she wouldn't say things like that. Well, in some ways, it's to me, it's kind of a really good thing because if you think that the general public believes that, even the ones who at the time might have voted for this administration, I think they're quickly understanding elections do have consequences on your pocketbook. And how do you like it when you go into the grocery store and all prices are higher? I just read a report coming out that I'm going to read all food prices are higher, gas oh. prices are higher, everything is higher because this is what happens when you have an administration that is set on their policies to completely just destroy, if you will, the energy policies that we've enjoyed for years. Um, and I wanna drill into that. So what is the problem of why the consumer is seeing a higher gas price, food price, at the grocery store, restaurant prices, everything is going up? Yeah. You know, obviously some of it is regulatory, but it goes way beyond that. It's the climate change stuff happening. Sure. And so t tell us quickly, like, what are the main problems? Uh, was it him going and begging OPEC that uh, could you please <laughs> fill more um, or release more barrels? I mean, of course, these, these, the OPEC, OPEC plus countries are very familiar with what to do, what not to do. We've seen a negative 30 at one time in our lifetime, which was what, just less than two years ago. Yeah. Um, I don't think they're going to allow this administration to to tank no. prices worldwide. So what are the big issues that this administration is doing that's causing this havoc on consumers' pocketbooks? Well, I mean, you hit it the nail on the head. It's all revolves around the climate change agenda, the Green New Deal funding um, that's, you know, they're trying to get through Congress right now, this $3.5 trillion atrocity of a bill. Um, and it's all about funding the Green New Deal and, and trying to transition a, a fossil fuel and nuclear-based power mix to a wind, windmill and solar panel-based mix that is impossible, physically impossible, defies all the laws of physics and thermodynamics, can't happen, won't happen, but they're, they're just bound and determined to spend all this money on trying to do it anyway. Um, it's that it's it's you know and and these policies that they're implementing are depressing the domestic oil and gas industry in a normal uh, administration. Uh, we would have seen a major supply response from the U.S. shale industry already this year, but right. because of the policies of the Biden administration and the pressures from these ESG investor groups, these environmentalist investor groups that now control trillions of dollars in capital that they, you know, that they're trying to deny to the oil and gas business, 
we have seen virtually no supply response because of these higher commodity prices. Normally, you would see hundreds of additional oil rigs getting activated in a given month. You know, now, you know, over the last two months, we've seen about 80 total uh, right, additional right. rigs come onto the market. In a normal situation, you'd have seen two or 300 in the last two months. And it's because these, these companies, these upstream companies are being denied access to capital by these green investor groups and by the banks who are being pressured by the Biden administration and the Treasury Department to deny capital to the oil and gas industry. That's what's happening. That's the truth. That's reality. That's reality. Um, yeah. And it just is no, what but, it is, you know. But, you know, we're going to have a listener say, but if it's going to save the world and and you it's know to those people, exactly to those people i said you know like you said it's not going to happen but then what do you think about other countries like russia and china and other countries that have no environmental standards whatsoever right. do we not all live on one planet and so are we really taking global uh or climate change seriously when other no. countries aren't even in the mix here so no we absolutely aren't we absolutely exactly. are i mean china you talk about china and russia and india they don't even have goals under the Paris Accords that, exactly. that anticipate them doing anything before 2030 and really nothing substantial until 2050. Okay. And that's so what they the don't even world have. It's not taking this seriously. Right. But we are, and it has obviously an impact on your pocketbook. And usually the pocketbooks that are the that have the least amount of money are the ones who are affected the hardest. And right. isn't this typically a democratic voter? For that well, I mean, that's, that. yes. I mean, that t so, has tended to be the case, yes. Right. So I, I, to me, I'm not sitting here trying to beat anybody up. I'm just trying to get people to think what's in your best interest uh, as you go and, and, and vote. Changing gears real quick, let's talk about oil prices, because there is one thing the Biden administration <laughs> is really good at, and that is it is good for oil prices, <laughs> for, yeah. you know, for, for the energy sector in increasing them and keeping them at a really good uh, you know, good amount of money. So we actually have hit WTI as uh, is raised above $82 per barrel, um, which has been the highest it has been since 2014. Boy, yeah. you keep it up. You're doing great with strong energy prices per barrel. <laughs> How much more higher, though, do you think the Biden administration can push this price with their policies? Oh, I, I gosh, we will be over $100 sometime in the next few months. Uh, I just don't, I don't see any way out of that. Um, we could be at $150 at some point next year, which would be the highest price ever for, for a barrel of oil. And the honestly, most oil and gas president is going to kick up prices potentially of an amount we've never seen before. Yeah. And I want you to tell, tell me, what does that mean in the way of... Um, is this, you know, you get this prices going and you start seeing another frenzy like a gold rush, but it's an oil yeah. rush. So are we going right. to see less being put on the market or more being put? Everything they're trying to put well, out seems to be having the opposite impact. <laughs> yeah, you know, I mean, there will be more on the market, but demand just continues to rise. And we have to understand that, you know, triple digit oil prices are not good for anybody. Okay, they're not good for the domestic oil and gas industry either. Uh, and, and nobody in the domestic industry really wants to see prices that high because of the, the negative impact it, the, it has from a public image standpoint, if, if not anything else. Uh, you just tend to have a backlash because the politicians will 
go about blaming it all on the industry rather than on their own stupid policy decisions. And uh, so, you know, all executives don't want to see prices that high. Exactly. Um, Nobody does because it does have a price spike for the consumer. But you know what? With social media being what it is right now, David, I would think that it's now high time that that these elected officials are seen. You are being held accountable. You guys have talked and talked and talked and talked about how we need to stop oil and gas and fossil fuels and you're putting in regulations and the consumers are paying for it everywhere they go. And if you think that they're going to be happy with that and, you know, the these elected officials telling the consumers, their, their constituents, hey, it's not us, it's the oil companies. No, no, it's been you. You keep talking about this and you're part of the problem. You're actually yep. the problem, if you will. Are. Well, David, that is all the time we have for this segment. But coming up, David Blackman will be interviewing Tom Pyle, who is the president of IERD, the Institute for Energy Research. You're listening to In the Oil Patch Radio Show. We'll be right back. Welcome to In the Oil Patch Radio Show. I'm David Blackman uh, here with Tom Pyle, the president of the Institute for Energy Research, or what we call IER. Tom, welcome to the show. Such a great pleasure to be with you, David. And it's great having you back. I, uh, I tell you, I, 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 you know, when I saw we were going to have you on, I went back and reviewed that cover story we did last year with you in advance of the election, and and that's such a good story and. Uh, your group does so much good work. I, I, I want to give you a chance before we get into the questioning to, uh, you know, just give, give our audience a little review of what IER does, why you exist, and how they can get in touch with you. Sure. Well, I think the best way to describe it is, is we're kind of, you know, the, the energy industry and, and the producers and the consumers, are, we're kind of the watchdog in Washington, right? We Right. We look out for um, the industry. We look out for consumers. We we point out the flaws in these intervention. You know these efforts to to get the government. Uh, you know to for the government to get involved in the energy business. It seems like the more they get to stick their necks in, the worse things get. And then they panic and they put a bandaid on it and cover something up, and then it gets worse still. I just saw someone today. Uh, say, well, maybe we need to prevent um, natural gas exports because the price is going up, right? Right. You know, well, why is the price going up? <laughs> you know, because of the stupid stuff you did, you know, already. So, you know, it's, it's absolutely crazy. So we, we, we're a pretty serious, rigorous research organization, but we obviously have a point of view, and that is the market's uh, rule, uh, uh, and that doesn't mean we, there shouldn't be any regulation. It just means that the government, federal government or state governments shouldn't be, be involved in the energy business to the level that they are. Right. We shouldn't be picking the types of energy that we use, the types of cars that we drive. We need to let the markets dictate those decisions. And by the way, it doesn't mean it's a trade-off for the environment because we've seen time and time again that year over year over year, uh, we are cleaner we do more with less, and that is that is the the exact function of free markets. Right, we can have it all, um, but the more the government gets involved, the harder it is. So, folks can reach us several ways: instituteforenergyresearch.org. I know it's a mouthful, but you know uh, that's, our, <laughs> that's our website, and then 
there's an automatic sign up and they'll get all kinds of great information like some of the stuff that we're going to talk about today. It is great information. I've been getting it for years and, and it's one of the first things I look at every day. Um, so I really appreciate the work you guys do. And one of the one of the things, let's just talk about uh, a new report you guys have out that, that is very exemplary of the kind of crazy things uh, that the anti-fossil fuel lobby is, is doing in this country and really globally related to energy. It's, it's called the Battle of the Bands. Uh, it talks about states and municipalities that are moving or, uh, to enact bans on natural gas hookups sure. and the building of new homes and buildings. Talk about what's happening there. Well, uh, you know, so for years and years and years, the Greens, the left, they they had this mantra that we're running out of resources. We don't have the we are, you know, a big consumer, but we don't produce a lot of this energy. So we need to, like, get off of fossil fuels because, quite frankly, we're running out. Right. Well, of course, fracking, private property rights, horizontal drilling blew that whole thing, that whole <laughs> narrative up right now. In 2019, the United States, for the first time since the 1950s, became a net exporter of crude oil, for example. A, we produce more than we consume for the first time since the 1950s. So we've had, since the, since the 70s in particular, we've had policies that promoted scarcity. We've had policies that were basically keep our resources constrained keep them here, right? We had an oil export ban up until like 20, I want to say what, what was it? 18, 19, David? Uh, 20, uh, uh, the end of 2015, 2016 was when we were able to start. So now the whole world has changed completely thanks to fracking. In particular, thanks to fracking in the United States, because you guys all know this, we have the resources, but we also have this unique gift called uh, private property owners owning the subsurface, right? right? Landowners own the, 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 the stuff underneath, which means they get a piece of the action, which means they're all becoming part of the process. You know, and what's going on in Europe right now that we can get into, but the craziness there, one of the, they have shale resources too. That's right. But their folks don't own the, the, the land uh, below the surface. The government does. So what incentive do, do these folks have of letting people come in and, and just, you know, disrupt their, their day-to-day lives? They're not getting anything for it. So the reason I bring that up is because the next thing they moved on to was keep it in the ground. Okay. Yeah. Like, okay, well, we have it, but we shouldn't use it because it's so bad for the world that, you know, if we use it, <laughs> we're going to destroy the planet, Right keep it in the ground well they couldn't keep it in the ground because well we we knew we know how to get it out of the ground now they're into the keep it from moving around phase of their agenda and this is the pipelines blockading of the pipelines and the transmission and then and and they're working to some degree of success there right the keystone xl is a perfect example yep and the ultimate irony of course is that Biden blocks that pipeline, which could be bringing Canadian crude to our refineries, but allows Russia to build a gas pipeline to Germany so that Russia can continue to dominate and put their boot on the throats of Eastern European Which countries. they're doing right now, okay. as we speak, yeah. So the next thing they did was, well, 
we're, we're doing okay to keep it from moving around. But, you know, the folks, they're just, they just like their, they just like their stuff. <laughs> they like to cook with gas, natural gas. Um, it, you know, it's, it, it's nice to have heat when the power's out, right? Et cetera, et cetera. But nah, you know, forget it. We're just going to flat out lobby the hell out of state legislatures and municipalities to ban it outright because the folks just aren't playing along. Um, and they just, they like their conveniences. It turns out that they like living longer. They like being able to like, you know, spend some of their income on stuff other than energy. Um, and so what has happened is, is now there has been a concerted effort by the left to lobby municipalities and local jurisdictions to simply ban the use of natural gas in residence, residential and commercial, uh, new residential and commercial buildings. And they've, they've been met with some success in the, guess where, the crazy blue states, right? Yeah, yeah. California, California yeah. Washington State, Massachusetts. Uh, and they're trying to get their meat hooks into places like Atlanta and some other places where they have a little bit more of a sympathetic ear. Hey, Tom, I'm going to have to break right there. Uh, we're, we're on a hard break. Uh, you're listening to In the All Patch Radio Show. We'll be right back. Welcome back to In the All Patch Radio Show. I'm David Blackman uh, with our special guest, Tom Pyle, the president of IER, talking to us about... Uh, a crazy thing that's happening with with oil and natural gas in the in the blue states. Tom, we were talking about this effort to ban uh, the uh, hookups for natural gas in new homes and new business buildings uh, in some of the blue states in, in the country. And I wanted to let you get finished. You you had begun sure. talking about California and what's happening out there. So you 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 guys can uh, this reports on our website. Um, it's good. It's it's like one stop shop for where all the vans are, uh, and what states are doing. Some states are doing to prevent this from happening. Uh, there are, there have been a number of of uh, laws that were signed in Georgia, for example, and other places where the states themselves are banning the ability for the municipalities to ban natural gas. Yeah. Um, and, you know, I'm a big fan of less government is best, but in this crazy world that we live in now, um, the, you know, there are some instances where it makes sense for the state uh, to say to municipalities, no, you can't do that. It's like the set aside issue in Colorado, for example, right? Uh, where Boulder and others were saying you can't, you know, you can't frack and within a certain, certain, certain number of, um, you know, certain areas. So, um, but yeah, I mean, for the oil and gas industry, you almost have to have that regulation at the state level, right? You can't have every town you do business in having a different set of rules. I mean, that's kind of critical to the business. That's right. But the thing is, the, the worst part about all of this is, is the, these folks are, are real big on trying to help the, the those uh, uh, who have the least among us, right? Right. Uh, you know, it's about justice. It's about equity. It's about these things hurt the poorest people. Yeah, the hardest it whacks their their entire budgets, right? Like they're yep. paying more for this stuff. They're getting less for this stuff. They pay a way higher percentage of their of their annual their monthly budgets on just basic energy needs. And these policies in the cumulative are are going to whack them the hardest. For example, in New York, 
um, it, it, we estimated that gas bans could cost more than $25,000 for a, a typical, uh, you know, household uh, wow. over, over a, you know, a certain number of years. So what we're saying is these policies hurt the very people that the, the people who are promoting it claim to be helping the most or doing in the name of, right? It's, it's always interesting to me how they get away with that. But if you, if you apply it across the board, it, it seems to be that uh, for some yeah. reason, they, they, they have this magic way of saying, hey, vote for me, I'm going to help you. And then their policies <laughs> end up smacking you in the face. Right. It's, I mean, it's the same thing with gasoline prices. I mean, you know, all these these policies that Biden's been pursuing and in California, California is intentionally increasing the cost of gasoline to consumers. And exactly. I mean, it hits the poorest people the hardest. It's a higher percentage of their income going out to, to paying for these higher utility bills and higher gas. Bills. And, and everything else costs more, too. We're, we're seeing the, the real effects the inflationary effects of right. stuff that's going on. I mean, I went to, I went to get some fast food the other day. I couldn't believe a burger costs like not a burger meal costs like ten bucks or something. Yeah, like that, right. Yeah, it's crazy. I mean, it really is crazy, and and nobody seems to be able to make that connection. You know, isn't part of the real problem that, I mean, it's related to public education. It's also related to how the news media reports on this stuff. Because if you you can turn on any newscast you want to on television, and there's not any network, any any channel making the connection. Yeah, well, I think all it's, of that and what you pay at the grocery store. I think right? it's a combination of a few things. I think the media is kind of in the tank for this agenda, quite honestly. But also, mm-hmm. I, I've been dealing with these reporters for a really long time. I'm sure you have too. I have too. They're lazy. <laughs> They're not doing any homework. They're not bothering to check the second, you know, the secondary effects of these policies. They don't even bother to make the connection between this climate agenda and the havoc that it is reaping on our electricity system, the havoc that it is causing, right? And then Biden turns around and begs the oil producers after he's basically told them on day one, no more federal land production, made it make it clear that they're not our friends. Now they're like, hey guys, what can you do to help us lower gas prices? (laughs) It's like, get out of the way, Joe. We're up against another break, Tom. Uh, When we come back, we'll, we'll talk about the climate change narrative and whether there's really a valid argument to be made on this natural gas hookup issue. Uh, I'm David Blackman, and you're listening to the In the Oil Patch Radio Show. We'll be right back. Any business can benefit from advertising to the oil and gas industry, but it's really important to partner with a marketing company that has a proven track record with this growing industry. Shale Oil and Gas Business Magazine is the one-stop shop that'll keep you in front of the customers that you need to grow your business. So let's start growing your business in Texas. Email us, info at shalemag.com. Again, that's info at shale, S-H-A-L-E, mag, M-A-G, dot com. Welcome back to In the Oil Patch Radio Show. I'm David Blackman uh, with our special guest today, Tom Powell, the president of IER. And we're talking about uh, a nationwide effort, really, uh, by the, the green community to, to encourage state and local governments to ban new natural gas hookups 
in, in newly built homes and business buildings. Uh, Tom, let's talk about, you know, all of this obviously is happening under the, the narrative of climate change and, and the, the claim that, that uh, somehow an all electric home is better for the climate than a home that uses electricity and natural gas for cooking and heating. Uh, is there really any real validity to that argument or is it all just talking points? None, zero, absolutely none whatsoever. Uh, you have, if they, they, okay, they've been spending a lot of money and we've been, uh, you know, all this talk about wind and solar and, you know, they, they've been growing, but it's yeah. unmistakable, but let's put it in perspective. Wind and solar represents 5% of global energy consumption, five. They keep talking about uh, coal, oil, natural gas being the, the dinosaur, a relic, the energy transition we're in, we're in the middle of. We still get 80% of our total energy from those three sources. Might go down to 75 by 2040, right? right. Maybe. But this is a joke. Um, it, it, you know, first of all, let's address the environmental issue. Um, the single thing that has done more to reduce CO2 emissions, perhaps globally, but certainly in the United States, has been natural gas fracking. Right. Because of the, uh, the ability for it to displace coal. Now, I'm not saying coal shouldn't be in the mix. I think it's critical. Uh, you look at what happened in Texas. You look at what happened in California, right? Yep. And look how China is trying to aggressively hoard coal right now. Oh, they, yeah. We'll, we'll get into that in a second. Yeah. So the idea that somehow you not using natural gas, and oh, by the way, it's a nice divert. The, the best thing about energy and the markets is it is diver, diversification, right? You shouldn't rely on any one source for all, you don't put it, we don't put all our eggs in, our, in, in the basket for our retirement. Why should we do that for energy? It's right. good to have a diverse mix of sources. Now, China has been playing footsie with, you know, special envoy John Kerry and Joe Biden and the <laughs> UN community about climate change, okay? They've not made one promise. They've made platitudes. They have not made what judge people by their actions and not their words. They are hoarding coal. They yeah. are building new coal, the equivalent of all of our coal generation, almost on an annual basis. They are... We, the other day, I have a podcast too. Uh, we they're on a drilling spree in, in yeah, China yeah. and around the world, right? If they're not right. drilling it there, they're securing it from other places. They are not going to let their folks start, you know, freeze to death this summer. They've had a long standing trade, you know, you know, some arguments with Australia, and they've been they've been stockpiling Australian coal or not not producing purchasing it. They're bringing it back. Because they know at the end of the day, all this talk, all this yakety yak about transition and everything else, at the end of the day, they're going to do what it takes to secure their economic and national security future. And yeah, and it's, and it's not just, and you, we talk about them building coal plants, they're, they're, aren't they all, they're also financing the building of, of hundreds of coal plants in other countries, right? Like oh. Turkey and... Uh, I, I can't remember the other countries, but uh, more you know. than 300 coal plants, Turkey, yeah. Egypt, Vietnam, Indonesia, Bangladesh, the Philippines. Yeah. Right? 
Oh, absolutely. And then they, they gave a bone to the Biden administration to say, well, we'll stop financing overseas coal plants. They didn't say when. <laughs> they never said when, right? right? And we're trying to secure all these climate concessions from China in exchange for what? China wants Taiwan. Yeah. Right? Yeah. China wants to take that country over, right? So, uh, and the other thing is I talked early in the show about in 2019, we won our hard-fought energy independence from the Middle East, okay? We became a global superpower in terms of production. We changed the whole dynamic geopolitical across the world, right? Right. Uh, and, and the right administration with the right policies and the right signals to the market, and we were going gangbusters, okay? The signals that this administration is sending to the market and, and by the way, some of the investor class is we don't want to finance your stuff. And then they wonder why we're not, I mean, the prices are going up and everyone's sure. scratching their heads. Like why, are, why aren't our producers <laughs> going gangbusters, right? Because they're, they're paying attention. Right? Exactly. They're yeah, it's a attention. speculative market, right? I mean, people don't understand oil prices are set on a speculative market. So when they see these signals, the traders see these signals, it puts up a pressure on the price. So this is, and, and going back to China for a second, it's not just about China doing what it needs to do to, 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 for itself. Our policies are actually empowering us, uh, making, sorry, empowering China, making us more dependent on China. Right. Because if they want to switch to this all electric world and all EV electric vehicle world, we need to get all these materials, these source materials. Guess who controls the market for cobalt? China. <laughs> guess, who, guess who controls the market for lithium? China. <laughs> guess what we do? We import almost uh, 80% of the total output of raw materials for advanced batteries from China. Right. Right. They control this entire supply chain. We're talking about supply chain issues right now. I, I can't get a dishwasher. Uh, you know, like I can't, I got three kids at home and I can't get a dishwasher because mine's on the fritz. Yeah. <laughs> you know how inconvenient that is? Yeah, no, <laughs> it's till, terrible. Wait till China has a bone to pick with us and decides to cut off this or cut off that or whatever, right? Yeah. It's absolutely crazy. It what's is going crazy. On right it, yeah. And, you know, Biden promised this, this whole of government approach to securing these critical minerals that you need to do this energy transition. And that was way back in April, I think, when they announced that plan. And they have done literally nothing to implement that plan to this point. Six months later, there's nothing's happening. And so it's all just talking points. Uh, anyway, we're up against the break again. Uh, we'll, we'll continue this great discussion when we come back. I'm David Blackman, and you're listening to In the All Patch Radio Show. The 23rd World Petroleum Congress brings the global industry to the energy capital of the world, Houston, Texas, December 5th through 9th, 2021, for a week of forward-looking conversation that will shape the future of energy. The Congress will be centered around the theme of innovative energy solutions, drawing inspiration from the innovative spirit of the industry over the decades. Delegates can expect robust strategic, technical, and U.S. programs with perspectives from government leaders, CEOs, academia, and other expert speakers on the industry trends, as well as creative solutions 
solutions and best practices to address current energy challenges. Delegates will have the opportunity to attend industry inside luncheons and numerous networking events that will build new professional relationships and strengthen existing ones. Also, they can explore the Congress exhibition where leading international companies will showcase their innovations. Make your mark at the World Petroleum Congress and be a part of the beginning of what's next. To learn more and register, visit www.23wpchouston.com. That's www.23wpchouston.com. Welcome back to In the Oil Patch Radio Show. I'm David Blackman with our special guest today, President Tom Pyle of IER, the Institute for Energy Research. Tom, let's talk about the power grid. I, I think a, a big question on all this, uh, this, this move to ban natural gas hookups is happening in states that already have a lot of instability on their, their power grid, like California. Um, you know, doesn't, I guess my question is, when, when you force homes, new builds of all kind to be all electric, isn't that just going to increase pressure on the grid and create more instability? Yeah, uh, I want to key in and focus on the word force. Yeah. Because that is what this is. It's a forced energy transition. Yeah. It is governments, state governments, it responding to pressure from an interest group within the Democratic Party to deliver, right? It is right. responding to pressure from Larry, uh, what's his name there, from BlackRock. Oh, right, yeah, yeah the right? ESG investor group. Yeah, yeah, it's the ESG stuff. It's this yeah. woke capitalism. It's this, you know, Brian Deese, who, by the way, worked for him over at BlackRock before he went over to the Biden administration, who, by the way, in a, in a recent um, press uh, presser event said, pay no attention to this increase in the cost of food. It has, nothing, it, it has nothing to do with us. It's those evil beef people consolidating the industry, right? Yeah. Like yeah. The, the, the way that this administration, uh, their whole philosophy is it's not as bad as you think. It's all transitory, right? And it's just it's transitory. Not so don't so cut me some slack. I'm just trying to help you out and give you a you know a child credit, child <laughs> credit, right? right? I mean, um, anyways. Uh, so a lot of it is sort of forced, right? And I, I don't ever call it the energy transition because the only thing that we're doing is transitioning who makes the decisions from away from us, away from the industry and onto governments and institutional investors, right? right. That's yeah. what's happening. Um, as far as the grid itself, we had an absolutely amazing system. It worked really well. Now, does do things change? Absolutely. Should they change? I'm a huge proponent of change. In fact, I want to get the hell out of DC and move somewhere, <laughs> you know, normal, right? Somewhere less stressful, right? Yeah, but... <laughs> You don't do it at the expense of consumers. You don't do it at the expense of the poor. You don't do it for, for the, it, to me, it's for the sake of doing it because we're not looking at these massive environmental uh, gains with all of this. As I said earlier, a, a market decision 
is what has reduced CO2 dramatically in this country in the past 10 years. Yeah. To the point where we didn't even need that stupid Paris agreement. No, we were already in compliance. We need our commitments. And yet everyone in Europe who was waving their finger at us, bad actors for pulling out of it, they're right now literally look at blue, look at look at articles like, okay, yeah, we're not going to be doing that right now. No. Yeah, we're going to be burning a lot of coal. Yeah, and a lot right. of natural oh, gas. And by yeah. the way, Boris Johnson in the UK, who is basically like, I don't know what happened to that guy. Like, I, I don't know of his, but like he drank the Build Back Better Kool-Aid. He just said, well, we're going to have to go go a la, a la France and build a, build a bunch of nuclear plants in, in the UK because that's cost effective, right? right. I mean, yeah. all of this is going to be really expensive to fix. And I, and I feel, I'm sorry about that, but I do think that the people, people are starting to wake up and see that a lot of this is just a bunch of, it's a bunch of platitudes and pipe dreams. I just hope to God and I pray that the, the a number of people who die as a result of all this stuff is, is minimized because if well, yeah. Europe has a really bad winter, there are going to be a lot of people who don't make it. At, 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 if the situation continues to get worse there. And the irony is, is the policies that they implemented 10, 15 years ago is what this administration and the Greens here want to do. We have seen the Green New Deal, right? It is now, in, it is now you're looking at it right now, right? Yeah. So, I'm all for, I don't have anything against renewables. I don't have anything against electric vehicles. Um, I think that if something comes along, um, methane hydrates, for example, or hell, if we ever solve the fusion vision stuff, whatever. Oh, yeah. That would be awesome. I'll I'll be the first person to say, "We we don't need oil anymore. I'll be the first person to jump on that bandwagon. But let the market choose and don't. Don't harm consumers in the process and don't take away our freedom and don't take away our choice. Those are my criteria. So. Yeah. Electric vehicles. Last question, electric vehicles. We talk about grid stability and, and the strain that this, you know, all electric movement's going to have on the grids. Well, Elon Musk said last week, we're going to have to double the amount of electricity we produce in the next decade just to accommodate electric vehicles drain on the electric grid i mean think about that is that even achievable no it's not actually it's not um you know you you talk about the economic impacts of COVID, right the lockdown i should say the government part the lockdowns you would need five covids every year to meet to meet the paris numbers you know uh, over all the different countries did you enjoy the, the early stages of the lockdown. <laughs> yeah. Was that fun? I don't think for you? anybody did. did they no, really? no. And that's the kind of stuff we're talking about here. I mean, what what is interesting is, is I think that hopefully that will inject some sanity and some and some reality and realism into these conversations. And hopefully um, we'll be able to have, you know, adult conversations about this stuff. And begin to like move away from this this rhetoric from these you know children, uh, these Gretas and some others, right? Because this is just 
it's too serious. It is. You know, right. it's too serious to be to be in this la la land about it. Um, and I worry about my what keeps me up at night with for my kids is what who is gonna who's gonna run the show? Who's gonna be the dominant superpower in this country? Right? Yeah, well, I mean, yeah, I mean, we're trending towards China. Just we're already we're already heavily dependent on China because they were smart mm-hmm. and they built a lot of, you know, made a lot of stuff and shipped it over here. And we're sort of reaping the benefits of that, right? So uh, I just think that if I had a, if I can wave a wand, I wouldn't fix anything because that's not what I do, right? Like that's, I, I, my, my faith is in markets. But if I could wave a wand, it would be to have some legitimate energy literacy in the schools. That would be awesome. And with that, I'm sorry, we're going to have to end the interview. I totally agree with you, man. Thank you so much for coming on and joining us, Tom. Tom Powell with the Institute for Energy Research. Thank you so much. We'll look forward to talking to you again in the future. Anytime. Thank you. In the Oil Patch is where together we explore topics that affect us all in oil, gas, business, and in your community. Every week, your host, Kim Bellotto, will visit with the movers and shakers in this fast-paced industry. You'll hear from industry experts, elected officials, and many more right here on In the Oil Patch.